and he begins to talk to people in the gates of the city, and he says, hey, wouldn't it be better if I were to lead you? And he begins to sow seeds of discord, and he gets a following, and after his zeal and his charisma, and he goes out, and then he fights against his father because of the offense that's in his heart. We won't go into that. That's not what my point is today. But it comes, that story comes to a climax. It comes to a point here where now David and those that are loyal to him are chasing after Absalom. And, and, it, and re read with me if you have your Bibles. 2 Samuel 18. It says that David numbered the people who were with them and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Father, we think thousand of us there. And they said, you shall not go out. And it's interesting here because when they say that to him, it sounds like a typical scenario, right? It sounds like a typical scenario. Well, you're the king and you're the most prized possession of the kingdom and we need your rulership. It's, it's, it's in the, um, it's being challenged in the season by your own son and your son wants to have your life and we have to protect you. That wasn't the heart of the warrior of Israel to hide behind his armies. He would lead his armies into battle because he had a game plan from God of heaven, because he had the strategy of the Lord. But now the people are saying this to him, and I'm reading this verse, and I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa this is not David's heart. He said, yeah, I, surely I'm going to go out before you. And they're saying, but you're worth more to us than 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. And then the king said to them, whatever seems best to you, I will do. And I was like, what? Wait a second, this is not the David that I know. How did he give over so easily to the opinion of his people who said, you're better in the city than you are out on the battlefield with us? I was like, something must be up here. Something must be going on. You shall not go out for if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. And I was like, this, something's, something's more, I have to dig deeper here. I have to look a little farther. Can I exhort us, both students and community, whatever revelation God gives you, don't stop there. If you see a picture, don't just quickly tell somebody the picture. Ask God what he's wanting to speak through the picture. If you have an encounter, don't, and you get goosebumps, don't just say, oh, I got goosebumps today. Thank you, Lord, for an encounter. Ask God to take you deeper because it's a doorway of revelation encounter that will take you into deeper places. Right here, there's this doorway, and I use this illustration a lot of times, but I can, I can stand here, and I recognize I'm worshiping, and, and, there's, and, and the Lord opened the door before me, and I'm like, whoa, the Lord opened a door before me. It's so amazing. Hey, Sarah, God has opened a door for our family. It's so exciting. Darcy, do you know that the Lord is opening a door for this community? And we stand and we look at the door, but what is the door for? The door is to cross over into a new place. And so don't just stand and talk about that God has opened a door. Cross the threshold because what happens? I can see in part when I look at the door. But when I pass through the door, my perspective changes from tunnel vision of only being able to see within the parameters of the frame of the door. I can look out and I can see so much. But if I walk through this, the moment that I cross the threshold, my vision goes from here 
to here. In that moment, it opens up wide and my perspective all of a sudden multiplies and I can see far more. So when you are, feel that inkling of the Holy Spirit, dig deeper. Ask questions of the Holy Spirit when you read the Bible, and He is the best teacher. He's the best Bible teacher there is, and He'll lead you. And so I was like, wait, this does not line up with any of David's character, of any David's nature that he gave over so easily to the opinions of the people. He was, what made him a great leader was he was more concerned about what God said and what God's strategy was and what the blueprint in heaven was. What is it that made him... As he was rising to the throne, so successful, David inquired of the Lord. Mm-hmm. David inquired, which way shall we go? Which way shall we go into battle? And each time, it would be different that the Lord would speak to him. Which way shall we go to take the enemy? And God would say, this time I want you to take, and I want you to go around, and I want you to come from behind. And the next time it was, I want you to listen for the sound of the movement of the armies of heaven in the top of the trees, and then you shall go and know that I am with you. And so David, his success was not because he had listened to the opinion of the people. Even when he comes onto the scene, onto the stage of the nation when they're fighting against the Philistines and he's like is there not a man in Israel that will stand up against this uncircumcised Philistine who is taunting because it's against the glory of our God he was more concerned about what God thinks and so the people say it and then he says whatever seems best to you I will do Hmm. so the king stood beside the gate and all the people went out by hundreds and thousands. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, what is this? What's going on here? And I felt him highlight to me that last line, for you are now more help to us in the city. So I began to look back in the text. Well, what city are they at? And you could see in the previous chapter, in chapter 17 of 2 Samuel, verse 24, it says, then David went to Mahanaim. David went to Mahanaim. This is the city. As they are chasing Absalom and his armies, he goes to a city named Mahanaim. And then uh, verse 27, now it happened when David had come to Mahanaim. What is Mahanaim? Two camps. The two camps, it means. And in, in Hebrew, it means the two camps. And we first hear about Mahanaim in Jacob after he's, when he's actually fleeing from Esau and angels appear to him and are coming to him on the road and he recognizes that there's something of heaven and earth coming together in this and he says, surely this place is called Mahanaim because there is two camps that are coming together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we, as your people, we want to move in response to the movement in heaven. Mm-hmm. Father, you ordained this very place to be a Mahanaim, to be a place of the dance of two camps, the movement of the two camps, the sinking together of heaven and the movement in the heavenlies and the armies of the hosts of heaven and us, your army, your host here on earth below. And so he, he, we recognize in the chapter that he's come to a city named Mahanaim. Now, that city we find in Joshua 21. And in Joshua 21, 
In verse 1 it says, Then the heads of the fathers of the houses of the Levites came near to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers of the houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. Then they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common lands. And throughout the, the, the chapter, then it begins to describe how each of the tribes gave a city and the pastures and the lands around it to be a portion for the, for, for the Levites to live in and to work in the farm in their rotation when they would go up to Jerusalem to serve in the temple that they would have a place to live. But for the Levites, they didn't have a physical or natural inheritance. Their inheritance was the Lord himself in the service of his presence in the temple. But each of the tribes then were to give an allotment and they were to give cities. And those cities were, were, that were prescribed there, there was 48 in total amongst the 12 tribes of Israel and they were called cities of refuge. The Levite cities were called cities of refuge and they were places when the manslayer, when someone by accident killed another man before he could be brought to trial, he could flee to find safety in the city of refuge was, was the portion of the Levites to watch over. And there was a place of grace and mercy that was poured out from heaven and was allotted for the Levites to watch over because they were the people of the presence. They ministered to the presence of the Lord. I want to say something that the Lord brought a family to Cyprus in 1999 who had a Levitical call upon their life. And the first mandate for Gateways Beyond in Cyprus was build an altar. Build an altar of worship and prayer. It is fitting that this mantle was passed to the Heidel family to take the leadership of because there is a Levitical calling upon your family as well. We do mission, we do community, we do discipleship, we do training, but what we have to guard and tend to is our Levitical calling to create places of the presence of God by which the mission, by which the training, and all the other things will take out a place from. This chapel here is a sign to our community and a sign beyond of the Levitical calling upon gateways beyond. I've shared these things many times with our community and with the Heidels, but I want to say it again here in this place and in this season, reaffirm what God has done in the past seasons, what He's doing. What you're coming under is an anointing for a city of refuge. What you're coming under is a mahanaim, where God chooses physical allotments of places to be open portals between heaven and earth, where the movement of heaven can be perceived and we can respond on earth below. Surely God is in this place, is what Jacob said when he saw the angels of the Lord approaching and he named the place. Mahanaim, the dance of two camps. And so it's given and it's listed as one of the cities that are, uh, that are brought out. Let me see quickly which verse. That is verse 38 from the tribe of Gad, Ramoth in Gilead, which by the way is where Elijah the prophet came from and where healing balm was made for the nation of Israel. 
So there was both the prophetic and the healing that's coming out. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a fresh mantle coming upon this community of the prophetic voice and of healing balm, healing balm in wholeness coming forth. With its common land, a city of refuge for the slayer, Mahanaim, with its common land. And so, we come back to the story here in 2 Samuel, and we discover that David is of more help in the city than he is on the battlefield. Why? Because he is like a priest to the Lord, because he's like a Levite. Yeshua himself said that David was able to go and eat of the showbread in the tabernacle of the presence of the Lord that was reserved only for the priest, but he was a priest king before the nation, and he was able to pull from the covenant of grace before his time, and because he lived out that Levitical priestly calling of the Lord and eat of what belonged in the presence of the Lord. Now we all have access. There may be a unique, uh, this, I'm highlighting uh, the, uh, the leadership of this community with the Levitical call, but we all are called to be kings and priests before the Lord. We all are called to walk in that anointing. We're all called to live as a city of refuge that everywhere that we go, that we take the presence of God, we take Mahanaim with us, that the tent of who we are that's established brings refuge wherever we go. And brings an open heaven that opens the portals of heaven above us. It's taken time to get this roof on this chapel. But I believe that the Lord has something for us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear about what he's doing. Because he wants to set the foundation first. And recognize that there may be a physical roof that comes on here. And we believe it will eventually. But this is a sign to our community of Mahanaim. It's a sign of the, the correlation between heaven and of earth. And so we know the story that there's resolution that is brought. Absalom is captured in this, uh, in this time. And the rebellion is crushed in Israel at that time because David stood in the open heaven. Because David stood in the city of refuge. Because David knew when he was to take up his sword and when he was to take up his priestly mantle and stand. And they said, you are more used to us. You're more help to us in the city. I want to challenge us, guys. Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. More is accomplished when we stand in our place as priests than in by the strength of our own right arm. We need the right arm of heaven to be released on our behalf. We need the power of heaven. We need the Spirit when the might of heaven on our behalf. So stand as a priest and open up a portal. Open up access. Open up the dance of two camps and begin to move with the, with the move movement of heaven here on earth below as it is above. Thank you, Lord. This is the DNA of Gateways Beyond. It's priestly, it's Levitical, and it's to live in the movement of heaven and to bring it to bear upon the earth. Thank you, Lord. The vision that the Lord put in Norman's heart for this place of presence was clear right from the start. When God gave it to him, and when he first heard it, which was, which was in Spokane, Washington. And I don't remember what the message that I was preaching, but it was while I was preaching, Norman was getting a vision of this chapel. Well, 
Was it on my <laughs> Wow. Okay. And Norman had the vision of the chapel that we're standing in, and he knew that it was round, it was to be circular, and that it was to be made of stone, and that it would have windows that point in the compass points out there. I think those were the main things that God showed you at that time. Later on, the Lord showed him to take the choicest part of the vineyard, to take the center of the vineyards. We're in the middle terrace, and according to the property lines, we are in the center now. Here, if we can just make a little space in the center. Norman, where is approximately the center? The brown spot. The brown spot. Okay, look at this with me, if you will. I'm not very good at drawing, so we're just going to have to, uh, we're going to have to just use your imagination, right? Something like that. Okay, this is a round chapel, and you can see it as a gate of heaven. Don't only see the doors this the door this way, but see it as a column. See it as a pillar. See it as a connection between heaven and earth, a touch point for heaven and what he wants to do. We were together with Jeff and, and a few others in doing the Breath of Heaven conference in Sicily in the... Uh, late spring or early summer, in May of last year, together. And, and Wes Zinn, a pastor where we are in Connecticut now and a good friend of ours, he was giving a message, and Remy was there with us, and, and I don't remember who all else. Bedick. Bedick and Beck and others. Yeah, yeah. And Wes said something, and it, the, the, the anointing on it, was so strong, and I remember looking at Jeff and looking at Remy, and it was like, if he just stayed on that one thing, the service would be over. Yeah. Like, like it, it was, there was so much power that was released at that point. And he said, there's a difference between a center and an epicenter. Yeah. There's a difference between the center and the epicenter. And he Whoa. said, God has called places like houses of prayer and communities of faith to be epicenters. Right. And as I thought about that, and I was looking at that, well, how do you define a center? Right, you define the center, you find the center point. In fact, when we laid the foundations here, Norman, what, what did you do to measure out and define the center, like practically? You take a different line. Yeah. Well, where they cross. Yeah, tell them how you did it. <laughs> you, 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 you took string. Yeah. You, take, you, you measure points outside that are your outside perimeter. Perimeter. And then you take strings from different points that you go across and where they all meet in the center, that's the center of the circle. Okay, so to find the center, you have to measure from a perimeter from the outside. You create a perimeter and you measure inwards. You come from the outside in, right? And that's how you find the center. And when they're equidistant apart, that gives you your, your center line. There's a confines to that where you, you become a center. But when you're an epicenter, it's all different. It's completely different. And the epicenter, something starts in the middle and, and it goes outwards. <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> it's not defined by the perimeter. It's not defined. It's defined by the center point, and then it works its way outwards, and the ends of the earth are the limits. Wow. 
the ends of the earth are, are the limits in the, in the direction that it can go. This is a little chapel, right? I'm looking at the door. This is a little chapel, but to the north, the south, the east, and the west, if you can imagine with me. What are we doing? I should have lined up when I'm there. <laughs> I couldn't see through everybody where we're going, but you get the idea approximately. That an epicenter is that you start with a pinpoint. You start with something very small, but very precise. God spoke to Norman about the exact location of this chapel here on the land. It wasn't a wish, wishful thinking. It wasn't coming up with a strategy, you know. David had, they had the battle strategies, right? But David inquired of the Lord. And he had set that pattern in such a place that the people began to realize, even in his moment of need when his own son had risen up in rebellion <coughs> against him, that the people had learned the ways of the kingdom to say, you are more help for us in the city of refuge called Mahanaim, the dance where there's alignment between heaven and earth, then you are with good battle plans. David started out doing what he knows, setting captains over hundreds and thousands. But then he stepped into the blueprint of heaven. And everything that we do from this place, Father, we need the blueprint yes. of heaven. Yes, God. We need the plans yes, God. of God for the movement that will come out from this place. This chapel is a sign. I'm going to say it again. This chapel is a sign to this community. Don't think of the confines of this wall as limitation. Think of it as a center point by which we can touch the ends of the earth. Because... We're first aligned yes, God. with heaven. The line becomes a sign. The alignment releases the assignment. You got it? The line becomes a sign, and the alignment vertically becomes the assignments. Come here and seek the Lord, inquire the Lord, because, and say, Lord, I want to stand in your presence. I want to put on my Levitical clothes. I want to put on my priestly garments. And I want to inquire of God and say, which way shall we go? When outreach comes, which way shall we go? When we have a decision that has to be made, as you're getting sent out to Israel, Father, how shall we go up? How shall we press into the land? What's next for my life? Even if the Lord's bringing you to a new season. Stand in the place of alignment with heaven and then ask him to release to you the blueprint of heaven and how you shall go forth from this place to the north, the south, and the east, and the west. A center is defined from a perimeter and it has limitation. But an epicenter is used to describe an earthquake, right? Natural. And it's a rippling out. And there's different intensity that comes as it goes out and as it ripples out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
But remember that the epicenter in our going out is a place that we return to, to have the alignment with heaven. We're called as a priestly tribe. The gateways. We're called to be a priestly people and to always inquire of the Lord to get alignment with heaven. Now the greatest picture of this is not this piece of property in, uh, in um, Ayasmamas. In Ayasmamas, the greatest picture of this is just across the water and up another mountain mm-hmm. called Zion. Zion is the global epicenter for all of God's purposes. It's the place of going up. It's the place where Yeshua ascended and where he will descend to. It's the place where Abraham ratified the covenant of God by offering his son Isaac in an act of faith and love to the Lord. And the Lord made a way. He gave provision for a ram that pointed to Yeshua that would make provision, not just for Abraham's family, but for all the nations of the earth. This chapel is in alignment to Zion. Mm -hmm. It's a hub. It's a hub of activity for Cyprus and beyond, and particularly the mandate for the Mediterranean region. But Zion is the picture of that for the whole globe and for the nations of the earth. And so, live out your calling as being in alignment with God. In a few days, Sarai and I will go to Israel where we'll be a part of a gathering of about 100 leaders of denominations and networks from the East, from China, from the underground church movement, from Africa, from the Americas, from Europe, from all around the world, we're, we're seeking God together to answer this question, what does the alignment of the church of the nations and the messianic remnant in Israel look like that will help to hasten the day of the Lord? And so, as leaders of this tribe of gateways, that we help to bring and establish alignment to this hub, to this center point, and we're connected to the fullness that comes out of Jerusalem and through it, you all become into alignment Mm -hmm. with the heart of God in his big picture and his big design for the redemption of the whole world. But there's specific mandates that he gives along the way. Mm -hmm. We're asking God, you know where the Lord led us to, to live in Connecticut? We moved the geographical center of the state. We didn't know it. Sarah is going to be starting a business in the geographical center of the state soon. We're believing God for, for the new gateways expression for New England in the geographical center of the state because we're a people who believe in the line and the sign, the alignment and the assignment that he gives to us. Father, I thank you for your grace to perceive your word and the truth of your word and how it applies to each and every one of our lives. When the line has direction, how do you determine on this line the direction of it? Is that 
you okay. put a point on the end of the line. You put an arrow, and that line becomes an arrow, and many arrows will be prepared here and shot out mm -hmm. to the four corners of the earth. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for the arrows of the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Father, we thank, thank you, you that this... Ooh. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that, that this is a, a quiver. This place is a quiver, and we say this quiver is full. It's not about numbers, it's about fullness. We have to understand the difference between earthly metrics, earthly ways of measuring, and the fullness in every season of what God desires for us to walk in obedience to. This is a full quiver right now. It's not based on the number of people gathered, it's on the people that are supposed to be in the quiver, living shoulder to shoulder, side by side, arrows, next to each other until we are sent out into the places to hit the bullseye, to hit the target.